Hi, I'm Aaron Schneider, director of Greyhound, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It's time for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 536 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have an Oscar winner coming our way. He also is the director of the World War II epic The Greyhound, which stars Tom Hanks. It's available on Apple TV. And it's Aaron Schneider. He's going to be joining us, going to be talking about working with Tom and, and, and all the things he had to do for The Greyhound and everything. So uh, that's coming your way in a very sh- few minutes. So uh, get ready for that. And I want to thank you all for more emails. We're getting a lot of emails coming in. And also, I want to remind you that uh, we hope that you'll be telling friends about On Screen and Beyond. Get the word out, you know, post it on Facebook and whatever. Tell them you've seen this, heard this interview and, uh, you know, whichever one you listen to and whichever one you like. And uh, hopefully they'll find other episodes that we have that they have people that uh, they want to hear and uh, send me an email at feedback and on screen to be on if you want to just chat or if you want to turn around and make a suggestion for a guest or tell me which one of our older episodes that I haven't uploaded yet that you would like to hear send it to me because if the link's not working that's because I just haven't gotten around to that and uh, you could do that to send me an email I'll get it up as soon as I can. And uh, that's it. Why don't we get right into it? It's time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well, the live-action heist comedy based on the Mattel toy card game Uno is in the works. How are they going to make a movie about the card game Uno? I, I don't know, but they're doing it. And Universal is working on a, now get this, futuristic sci-fi western inspired by Universal classic monster Dracula. Hey, I, I just tell you what they tell me. That's all I can do. And Father of the Bride has been remade a few times, but that won't stop Warner Brothers from remaking it again. Matt Lopez will be writing the film And we'll keep you informed as that comes your way when we find out who's going to be starring in it. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Upcoming new movies, Gillian Anderson will star in White Bird, A Wonder Story. Production starts next month in the Czech Republic, and it follows a young Jewish girl hidden by a family in France from Nazis in World War II. Jake Gyllenhaal will star in Michael Bay's action thriller, Ambulance. And Mickey Rourke will star in a new action thriller called Take Back. It uh, involves a kidnapped girl and a race to save her. 
And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Now that's a coming the number two America. Lands on Amazon Prime on March 5th. It's the sequel 30 years later to Coming to America. And Minions, The Rise of Gru, comes your way on July 2nd. And Halloween Kills comes our way on October 15th. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a peek at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, Castlevania arrives on March 3rd for the third season. And on April 13th, The Little Rascals Volume 1 will be hitting Blu-ray. And Season 1 of Soulmates lands on Blu-ray and DVD on March 23rd. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond... What's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD Freaky with Vince Vaughn arrives on February 9th. Greenland with Gerard Butler also on February 9th. And Fear of Rain with Katherine Heigl comes your way on February 16th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen of Yawn, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, Netflix leads the Golden Globes nominations with 42 nods. That's a lot. And Hal Holbrook has passed away at the age of 95. And Mike Henry, who played Tarzan on TV and was, of course, an NFL football player, too, has died at the age of 84. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Aaron Schneider. Oscar winner, and also director of the World War II epic The Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks, available on Apple TV. He's coming our way, Aaron Snyder, next on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest is an Oscar-winning director who has also been nominated for an Emmy. He has directed many famous actors, including Robert Duvall, Elizabeth Shue, Sissy Spacek, and Bill Murray. His last film was the epic movie Greyhound with Tom Hanks. It's Aaron Schneider. Aaron, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks. Glad to be here. Now, Aaron... uh, it, looking over your your credits and, and what you've done, uh, it seems like it's a, you know in a short time you've done a lot. But actually, I'm sure <laughs> the story goes a whole lot deeper than that. And uh, when I looked over your bio, uh, the story of how you got here it could be a movie in itself. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, uh, are you talking about the the Billy Crystal story? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so uh, I'm a uh, engineering student at Iowa State, and uh, not particularly enjoying the curriculum, and harboring dream, reading Cinefix magazine, and harboring dreams of being a, making movies and being in special effects, and um, unhappy at, at Iowa State in engineering. And we, our family, went on this vacation. You know, the classic 
sort of Chevy Chase vacation down to Florida every year from the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we stayed at a resort, and for whatever reason that year, Billy Crystal had come to the same resort with his family. And my mom sort of knew of my my trouble with engineering, and she said, why don't you go ask Billy Crystal how to get into special effects? So I traipsed over there, and he was, he was by the pool, and his young daughters were swimming, and I introduced myself and, you know, and told him my, my situation. And I said, and he said, well, the way you get into he said, my recommendation for you would be to go to film school. It's not necessarily a special effects education. It's a film education, and it's be good for you because there's all kinds of facets to filmmaking, and you don't really know where your talents lie and your passions lie until you start doing some of these things. And he said, which turned out to be real, pretty prophetic, that you know sometimes people shift from one thing to another as their skills and their passions evolve. Cut to you know a semester later, and I'd been accepted to USC, and uh, I uh, spend my last two years of, gra- of undergrad at SC, graduate, and in the process uh, of those two years, fall in love with cinematography, which was sort of the hammers and nails right and um of movie making uh you know if the director's the architect the um you know the dp's the the guy putting the building together right Mm -hmm. and so i spent a long time in that career coming up through mtv and that was my foray into you know shooting making a living that led to television and that led to features and then I got bit by the storytelling bug, wanting to do tell my own stories. And um, so I decided to put my life savings into a short film, and I adapted a short story by William Faulkner called Two Soldiers. And the idea was to make as big a splash as I could with all my money and all my effort and all my friends who chipped in, and there were many, and, the, and my family who was there for me because this was going to, you know, bring my bank account back down to zero and I, I might be ending up on, sleeping on their couch, right? Right. Um, this is a total unknown, this this effort. And that's the film that ended up, uh, you know, two, three years later winning um, the, the live-action short film Oscar. And it wasn't until my producer and I ran up on, on stage that it even dawned on me that I look over in the corner and there's Billy Crystal standing in the shadows because he was hosting that year. Wow. <laughs> so I, I just spontaneously, when I got up to the mic, I pointed back at him over in the wings of the stage and said, thank you, Billy, for recommending me, you know, film school to me so many years ago. Did he, did he know uh, and, uh, No, he, we, we spoke afterwards and he remembered the vacation. He didn't remember speaking with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, one of those things where, you know, life somehow shapes itself like the movies. Yes. Where it comes full circle. Wow. That's incredible. Now, you know, there's a couple of things that I get from this story that you just told. Is um, one thing, you had the nerve to go up to Billy Crystal and, and talk to him. I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, because you know, not many people would do that. Yeah, you know, it's embarrassing, but probably I would have to say my 20s are are full of, like, ridiculous, wide-eyed, Midwestern boy, stupid stories like that. I think maybe I was a year into my career as a 
cinematographer actually uh, in music videos and i and i hit a brick wall i was like i want to do better and bigger music videos and i felt like i was going nowhere and i had a wonderful agent at the time but i i was convinced that i wasn't going as fast as i should be going right yeah and so i went to an interview that went terrible and i was in this sort of fugue state because the business is tough on young people you know when you're starting out and i said you know what i'm going to do i'm going to go barge into michael bay's office at propaganda and give him my reel (laughs) so i pulled up in front of at the time what was propaganda which was the company you know that housed fincher and all those guys Mm -hmm. back then making all the big videos the got milk commercials and all that stuff and i walked in like i owned the place because because they had at the time they had these people at the front desk that were like gestapo um you know that because it was you know it was the cream of the crop in terms of production companies so i brushed right past them and i said to somebody where's michael bay's office down there and lo and behold he was in there wow (laughs) and i walked in like a i walked in like a damn car salesman (laughs) hi michael you know i hear that you know you like to operate your own camera well how does it what if i you know what if i offered you a chance to hire a great dp who's has no problem at all with you know you operating the camera and you know pulled out my reel and he, was, he looked at me like i was crazy <laughs> which of course i was and he was very kind right and uh, i never heard from him he had some i think he had some beer commercial storyboards on his desk that i was keeping him from <laughs> but you know you do these sorts of things when you're when you're young, but you have to, right? Yeah. It's like, but yeah, no, I, hey, I, I, I give you credit for it. I mean, that's, that's really something. I mean, geez. And the other thing I got from the story and I could relate to it because my daughter was at a college and after the first year, she calls or, or partway through the first year, she calls me up and says, Hey dad, I think I'd like to go change my, my major. She says, I yep. want to go into film. <laughs> And then she says, I want to leave where I'm going, and I want to go someplace else. She got accepted in the USC, and, you know, I mean, it was a similar story. I mean, she hasn't won an Oscar, but... <laughs> it's exactly my story. <laughs> you know? And, and it was funny. And it's funny, you know what made her change her mind? I mean, you know, change to film, was a, a rep from MTV had come and talked at the school. <laughs> Damn MTV! <laughs> it's like... There you go. That's great, though. Um, but see, that's that's the takeaway here is that at the end of the day to survive, I mean, I wish it for everybody in life, but especially in the film industry, if you're not driven by something, right. Driven by a feeling that you really have to do this and that this is going to be your life. It's probably not the right business for you. So I imagine she was very successful. Yeah. Well, she, 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 she works on shark tank. She's the, uh, the, the director of, uh, casting. The producer, That's awesome. of, producer of casting, I should say. I, I don't know the official title, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, that, that's quite a thing. I mean, that could, like I say, that could be a movie in itself. So it's something you should think about because uh, you yeah. know that's. <laughs> but uh, how did it you would get? Probably be too. It would probably be too. Uh, no one would believe it. They would call it too fairy tale. Right. <laughs> so with your first one, now you wrote it and everything. Um, well, I mean, you adapted it, I should say. Uh, but how did you get Ron Perlman to be in it? Oh, uh, as a cinematographer, I had recently done a pilot, a TV uh... pilot for a director I've worked with many times. And Ron was cast as one of the leads. 
And I remember <laughs> we called lunch one day, and Ron sauntered up to me. I mean, I'd met him, but never really talked to him. And at lunch, he, he walked up to me one day in his, in his voice, you know, <laughs> and he looks at me, and he goes, you want to direct, don't you? <laughs> and I said, how'd you know? And, you know, so he had picked up that, see, this was, this was right before I'd made the decision to sort of shift my career and put all that money into a short film. And I was kind of bubbling over with those thoughts and they must have somehow kind of leaked out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, DP's constantly on the set, constantly working, constantly throwing ideas around, working with the director and, and Ron's a smart and very observant man uh and um has you know some real good instincts and and has done some producing of his own so i think he probably recognized in me that i had this desire in me and, and as soon as he said it you know it started a friendship and so when i when i had to cast get uh for my you know there was a role in my short film where a, uh, a colonel, a military colonel has to show up out of nowhere in the third act and just basically come in and command the scene and take over the story as it climaxes in the third act. And I thought, man, I need somebody with some gravitas to walk into this movie. And so I called Ron and he was, he was uh, terrific. He came out and suffered through the, the pains of low budget short <laughs> filmmaking for us. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. But hey, you must have been thrilled when you got an Oscar. I mean. Oh, yeah. That was a big night. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk about a, a cast. I mean, Robert Duvall, Sissy Spacek, and uh, uh, Bill Murray... And I mean, I could go on and on because the the whole cast was incredible. How, how in the world did you get, did you get all those people on there? Well, I would love to take credit for all of it, <laughs> but I can't because the truth is, the producer uh, Dean Zanuck had the script and Robert Duvall, what they call circling the role, mm -hmm. before I even read the script. Ah. Uh, somehow, Dean got a hold of my short film which is you know it's period south and he was trying to get this sort of folk period south folktale feature off the ground and we met and hit it off and decided we would try to do this together and he just you know kind of left his father's company richard Zanix. you know he, dean was moving from the he was doing something a little bit like i was i had done with my career he was breaking away from from his dad to do his own thing and this this script get low was sort of the cornerstone of that of his first efforts and we teamed up and it took us you know five years uh to get it financed we got turned down by everybody the first three million came from actually my high school prom date 
who I called who'd done some corporate fundraising and she said, you want me to go look for some money? I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Turns out, you know, she called me back and said she found 2 million bucks. Um, and then, and then Dean found an angel investor, right? And then we made it truly independent and took it up as a free agent to Toronto and sold it up there. But, um, but in between, uh, Robert Duvall was interested, but by no means like committed, you know, like any, like any project uh, that an actor's somewhat interested in, you have to get them over the edge. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I, I put a lot of work into that and I had a lot of help, including a, a screenwriter, a dear friend who came in and rewrote the script that Dean had in his possession for so many years and a writer who really resonated and who I knew would resonate with Robert Duvall's tastes and sensibilities. So when that rewrite came in as something I'd helped, you know, put together and, and bring about that built Bobby's confidence in me and the project. And then finally we got some money going and it was real. But And from there, when you have this kind of a movie and Robert Duvall attached, now Robert Duvall's doing all the work for you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, Bill Murray didn't do Get Low because it was an Aaron Schneider movie. Mm-hmm. He did it because it was a Robert Duvall movie, and he admired Bobby's work. Uh, that said, you know, you still have to, you know, even though you're not the, the primary mover in a situation like that, you still have to make sure Bill Murray feels like he's in good hands and that he's, he's going to be taken care of and the director, you know, so, so it's never one element that makes any of this stuff come together. It's, it's usually a combination of dynamics and people and all different efforts. What was it like working with Bill Murray? Oh, Bill's awesome. Bill's, uh, you know, I, you know, I say this about Tom, too. If you want to imagine what it's like working with Bill as a, you know, civilian, that's pretty much exactly what it's like. It's, there's there's not a lot of difference between the way you'd imagine it is making a movie with Bill than what it really is like. You know, he's a goofball. He likes to have fun. Uh, he used to pick our script supervisor up and put her over his shoulder and carry her around just for fun <laughs> while she giggled. Um, he play a boom box in between setups because he hates to work. You know, anytime everyone's at work, he's like, ah, I hate work. Let's party. <laughs> so he'll turn music on. Um, uh, but that said, I, you know, he, he hates a work atmosphere, but he's hardworking and he would help them sandbags and, you know, on a low budget crew, Sometimes you're moving fast and you got to hurry up. He'd, you know, he'd come over and carry sandbags and apple boxes and help put equipment on the truck wow. whenever he could. Um, and he was also, there was an elder uh, man, Bill Cobb, who yes. played a, a, a small role in the film, who had a bad leg. And Bill was constantly uh, looking out for Bill in terms of, you know, telling an AD to go get a chair or, hey, why don't you light a fire over here and we can, Bill and I can sit next to this fire. You know, he's a, he's a, he's actually quite a gentleman. When he's around Sissy, it was almost like he was, uh, you know, opening doors, and hmm. 
insisted, by the way, yeah. when he came on, he insisted that Sissy get billing ahead of him. He said, I'll do it, but I, I want to be, I want my credit behind Sissy's. So he's, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, wow. But he's also a total nut. I can't. You know, I, I can't imagine. It must have been like you know, uh, just just a laugh riot seeing him on behind the scenes like that. I I just can't yeah. imagine. The other nerve wracking thing about Bill, you know, when he decided to do the movie finally, he said, "Okay, where do you want me?" And you go, "Oh, well, we'll have you." He goes, "No, no, no. Where do you want me?" And you go, "Well, you know, April third. Where? What address?" And you go, "Well, uh, you got a pen? Yeah." And you give him the address, and he goes, well, what time do you think? I don't know, 8 a.m.? We're going to maybe do a costume test. And you sure you don't? You sure we can't have someone call you? He goes, no, no, I'll be there. Bye. <laughs> wow. And that's it. You know, like, you know, you know how it works normally. It's like any other business. There's travel agencies and producers are tracking where he is and yep. whether he made his flight. and Having the car pick him up. That's not the, <laughs> yeah, that's not the way it works. He says... He says, you know, and he doesn't sign contracts either. Wow. Um, yeah, none, none of this, you know, just his word. Stuff. Just his word. He agrees to the pay and says, "When do you want me?" Wow, that's, and that's it. That's got to be a rare. But sure enough, sure enough, eight a.m. that morning, we're all standing around in the production office, and through the door walks Bill Murray with a Mister Bill T-shirt on. <laughs> Walks straight over to the girls in the office and says, "Hi, I'm Bill. Who are you?" And introduces himself. So you know, wow. It's all about it's all about a handshake and his word. Yeah, Bill. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Okay, then you move on to Greyhound, which to me is just an incredible film. Uh, it, it, just so much going on. Uh, how? How did you get? Did they contact you for that? You, you wrote this, or uh, no? Tom Hanks wrote the screenplay. Oh, okay, uh, it was Tom. something he'd been. Yeah, it's something he'd been working on behind the scenes on his own, kind of his own little passion project. So how did he get you? He, yeah, well, he it had surfaced now and again throughout his career as something he might want to do, and as I understand it, it. You know, they looked at it a couple times, didn't feel like it was the right time or, you know, the right chemistry. And so he'd put it back in the drawer. And then it finally came out again. Uh, and it circulated at my agency. And I got a hold of it and I read it. My agent had sent it to me and, and, uh, I wrote a really kind of effusive email to my agent saying, this is super cool and here's why. And as the story goes, the email somehow made it up the ranks to Tom's agent, who was on the phone with Tom at the time and read him my email. And because, it, you know, because he thought Tom would like to hear the positive feedback that he got. And he said, well, Tom said, well, why don't you have him come in and sit down with me? I'll meet him. And so I went in and spent a couple hours with Tom at his company there in uh, Playtone in Santa Monica, and, and uh, we just had a chat about filmmaking. I, took, I, you know, having been a cinematographer, I was picking his brain for all kinds of stories about cinematographers that I'd looked up to that he had worked with. You know, the Gordon Willis 
of the Godfather fame and Conrad Hall of Road to Perdition fame. And uh, and he, you know, he wanted to know, you know, he admired Bobby Duvall and Bill Murray, and he wanted to talk about my experiences with them. So it was just like a chat between filmmakers, you know, and, and uh, at the end of it, he just said, well, hey, why don't we do this? Wow. And why don't you come back and meet my partner, Gary Getzman? And um, that that that's you know just kind of happened. Yeah, boy, oh boy. I mean, and how did you deal with with the making of this film? I mean, it, it's there's just so many scenes of the ship and everything. I mean, it's I know a lot of it is is green screen, but it's just amazing what you did. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was a real challenge because, at, you know, when you look at it, when you break it down and look at it in terms of how you, how you make a film like this, it was a cart before the horse scenario whereby, you know, the first thing we did was a 35-day shoot of Tom Hanks on a, on a set for the bridge of the Destroyer that was sitting on top of a gimbal that rocked back and forth on a stage. Mm-hmm. And it was like 30, you know, it was about 20... 28 days of him going in and out of this little metal box, looking at stuff and reacting to everything around it. Right. And then we did five or six days over on the museum ship down in Baton Rouge that matched our bridge set so that it looked like he was really on a destroyer. And, but, but when we wrapped, you had the cart, but not the horse. Um, in other words, we shot everything of Tom reacting to everything he sees, engaging in every bit of drama and tactical dilemma there is to engage in, you know, performance-wise. But nothing but the horse, everything he's looking at and reacting to didn't exist. It was all going to come later. So you're, you're literally shooting, you know, you're shooting a virtual movie. You're shooting something that, you're shooting the Tom Hanks side of a movie yeah. that doesn't exist yet. And then in post-production, you've got to marry up, you've got to create and marry up everything that he's reacting to and hope that when you put them together, they marry up, right? Whether that's a, you know, did he, you know, is he watching the U-boat go by fast enough? If he's not, then you can't cut, you know, right. if he watches a U-boat go by at three knots and, it's a, and you need it to, the U-boat itself to go six knots, those two pieces of film won't cut together anymore, right. will they? Yeah, yeah. So now, you know, kind of map that across every single moment in the film, where he's looking and how, and, and, and how he shifts his eyes from one thing to another, and then the logistics on the set every day of um, making sure that Tom understood that when he looks out at a stage with nothing but lights and equipment, you know, making sure Tom understands what's going to be taking place out there and where to look and having the crew to set up markers for where to look and then if the ship's going to turn left in the middle of the scene you need two more markers that represent the end of the turn and tom now has to connect the first markers to the second markers and put a performance inside that and between looking here to there three things are happening on the ship that he needs to react to or that footage won't be there in post production for us to use right mm-hmm. yeah. so it, that the whole every beat of the film if if tom draws you in as a performer you have to remember that he's building it from nothing 
there's no actor sitting across the table. There's no, there's nothing going on out there. It's all built from his mind's imagination, his mind's eye, and his mind's understanding of what's going on out there. And it was my job to make sure he knew what was going on out there and a bunch of LED lights. And so that was, you know, you hear people, actors in interviews, you know, get asked, what was it like when you had to pretend there was a dinosaur there, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's always that one scene where someone had to pretend a monster was standing there and the monster wasn't there. And that's always kind of a novelty, right? Yeah. In an interview. Well, now imagine a whole film that way. You know, the whole film is just stuff that isn't there. Yeah. Jeez, that's incredible. Yeah. I, I know we don't have much time, uh, but I definitely want to ask you about Bum's Rush, your next film. Uh, and, and here again, you're working with Anne Hathaway and Bill Murray again. Now, you can't tell me Bill, somebody else drew Bill in. You must have drawn him in this time. <laughs> well, you may, once you make a film with Bill Murray and, you, and he trusts you, you know, as you've seen with other filmmakers, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 you know, you have a little better shot at, at coaxing him into doing something because he's comfortable. Yeah. And, I, you know, that pretty much goes for any actor, really. But, Bill, perhaps even more so. And I think, um, and the writer of Bums Rush is the writer of Get Low. So it's not just me. It's yeah. the sort of combination of, of he and I, and, and the writer and I have been friends for the many years since Get Low. So when we went to him, we went to him as a team that he trusted very much. Yeah. Wow. That's and, and can you give us a clue about what this movie is about, or is it still hush-hush? Well, no, uh, it's a, it's a, it's very hard to describe in a one-line sentence. I'll do my best. <laughs> it's the story of a bootmaker living a very lonely and isolated life, Anne Hathaway, right? Who's been passed on the the the, the craft and uh, business of making custom cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. Who's at a sort of a very lonely uh, and desolate turning point in her life, and into her life walks a stray dog named Bum. Um, that, without going into the full narrative, basically turns her life upside down uh, as she's drawn into um, an adventure that changes both of their lives. Wow. Uh, and so Bill is the voice of the dog, mm-hmm. not the dog itself, nor is the dog's mouth moving, right? Yeah. The, dog, the dog's uh, thoughts. Yeah. Have you ever, you know, if you've ever wondered how what dogs think when they watch us go about the drama in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the voice of Bum. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like an interesting one. Any idea when that one will be coming out? Uh, no, no. Still still putting that one together. Still real early, yeah. 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 Well, Aaron, I, there's so many questions I could ask, but I, I know we're limited on time, and I'd like to finish up with... Um, uh, one final question, and taking us away from all the movies that you've done and all the people you've worked with, but when you sit down and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh, my gosh. That's easy. I'm a, I'm a uh, streaming junkie. <laughs> okay. I can't get enough. I, you know, I'm like, I'm devouring it all, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I always return to, 
uh, when I need comfort food. Yeah. Is what is West Wing? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, such vivid characters and uh, you know such such an amazing cast and you know Aaron Sorkin in his prime. Um, I tune into that the way a lot of people might tune into like Friends or Seinfeld or something like that because it's just a great bunch of characters to spend time with. Yeah. Um, but I'm also a fan of all the premium shows, right? All the, you know, I just finished Ted Lasso on Apple, which I loved. Um, you know, my Peaky Blinders nut. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the queen Queen's Gambit, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, and I'm, good. and I also really enjoy these docu-series. There's a, wonderful documentary series called last chance you about football players trying to rebuild their lives and careers i i love it all yeah yeah what about movies uh movies uh let's see um i just got my the academy has created a an app for the apple tv instead of us getting all the dvd screeners that we typically get in the mail Mm -hmm, yeah they let you download an app now on your Apple TV or your iPhone, and all of the studios post their boards contenders up on that app. So it's like having your own private Academy Apple TV Plus channel, right? Hmm. Wow! But and with and because it's so easy, you know, other you know, unlike the expense of a DVD that has to be manufactured and shipped, yeah, all it takes for a studio to sort of be considered is to hand over a digital copy of their film to the academy right so naturally it's so easy to do that that almost every movie that came out is um is on the app <laughs> so it's like getting a free shot at every movie that came out in wow. 2020 on on your own sort of academy channel so and i'm and i'm ripping through that wow, i'm, I'm trying to devour as much of that as i can huh. well Aaron, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you here. And uh, people should be, uh, of course, watching Greyhound because that's a great film and all your other uh, past movies and keep an eye out for Bum's Rush coming up. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for helping us get the word out. And once again, I want to thank Aaron Schneider for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And I want to congratulate him on his films and the ones he has coming in the works. A lot of stuff coming from Aaron Schneider. Keep an eye out for him. Of course, he's won an Oscar already. So you know, he's got, he's got uh, you know, starts off big. And, and who, who knows where he'll go from there. But anyways, uh, thank him so much for coming here to On Screen and Beyond and sharing with us. And uh, that is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. But I want to remind you to uh, like us on Facebook. And uh, I'm going to still work on getting on to uh, Facebook. I'm still having issues with but I did get in the other day and I was able to post a couple of things. Hopefully I'll be able to get back on again. And then uh, I'm going to try looking at uh, Twitter and Instagram and those things. So uh, you can let me know what you want to be, you know, have me on so you can keep in communication with me. 
And uh, you can always email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Be sure to tell your friends about On Screen and Beyond. Get the word out. Leave us a review for Apple Podcasts or any of those. And, you know, get us up in the rankings so more people know about us. Uh, I don't know how that all works, but it's, it's it works. So uh, <laughs> we'd appreciate that. And um, that's about it. So, you know, if you have a suggestion for a guest, send it to me. And uh, that's it. That's the wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. (laughs) 